Welcome to the Sassy Sales Podcast. In this episode, we meet Jamie Hankins from Endeavor.org, and you're going to want to find out what they do. Absolutely unreal global impact through entrepreneurship. Jamie works with literally dozens of companies across the globe, and he shares success themes that you can learn from and the traits of the very best startup execs. As a bonus item, he shares how Endeavor supports companies operating in remote locations and what you should do if you aren't based in a coastal hub. Let's get into it. All right, and today we've got Jamie Hankins here with us. He's with Endeavor and he manages the enterprise software portfolio. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Awesome to have you. Now, look, a lot of our people in the SASE community wouldn't know what Endeavor does. I'm very passionate about the mission. I love participating with you folks. Could you just help us get up to speed with what, what is Endeavor all about? What do you guys do? Absolutely. So Endeavor is a global organization which fundamentally believes that entrepreneurs and their businesses can change the world. Um, and the entrepreneurs that do that and make the biggest difference when we look at the data and our experience are the men and women that lead successful scale-up businesses. So Endeavor is focused on selecting, uh, mentoring, and accelerating the very best entrepreneurs in our markets um, with the goal that over time we can catalyze change within an entire ecosystem and economy to maybe create the next Silicon Valley in a place like Sao Paulo or Jakarta or Cape Town uh, and create an ecosystem that leads to long-term job and wealth creation. Um, so that's what Endeavor's mission is. What that looks like in practice is that we have local teams in 37 markets today who are focused on helping us select the top three or 4% of entrepreneurs in their countries. And from there, we offer a a variety of customized services to help them come grow through their their individual challenges um, and my role within that as you said is to manage the enterprise software portfolio which is a, a very broad broad goal or broad portfolio which is why i'm really excited to talk to you today because a lot of folks uh listening in are at enterprise uh software companies um, b2b and whatnot and um thematically i guess that's what i'd like to chat about so Given the breadth of what you get to see, uh, and also in thinking about the criteria uh, that Endeavor has for supporting entrepreneurs, what are the themes that you're seeing being focused on by your most successful companies? I'm thinking about things like whether it be the, you know, culture, and if so, what about that? Is it, you know, here we are talking in 2020, is it, is it AI or IoT, or are there any specific themes that you see coming through? Yeah, I think one big theme that you just mentioned to the surprise of absolutely no one uh, is a huge focus on AI and machine learning uh, to capitalize on, on that big data opportunity that has already emerged. Uh, there's also already a substantial talent gap between the, the global demand for uh, data science and technical talent and, and the current supply. Um, so even as the investment in technical education increases, um, that gap is becoming wider and more expensive for companies to address. So a lot of our most successful companies that we see um, build teams that are very sophisticated in that space so that their clients don't need to be. Um, so within that, it's it, their companies and whatever their, their product may be, whether it's a marketing automation platform or, or sales automation or recruiting, they have very uh, sophisticated teams that 
a product in, in a way that's cheaper than it would be for an enterprise or especially an SMB to go out and build that team on their own. Um, so that's one of, one of the biggest themes I see. But I think that more broadly, what I see in our more successful companies uh, are that they have a laser focus on a specific niche. Um, I think that one of the biggest red flags that we see, and I think that many investors would agree, are companies that are trying to tackle the world and are trying to go after SMB and enterprise at the same time or trying to go broadly across many different geographies. So I think that our companies that are the most successful know exactly who their target client is immediately. And once they've tackled that very well, then they go upstream or downstream or uh, wider markets. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. And I'll throw a curveball at you here just because I want to riff on what something you said. I see a lot of organizations doing the SMB to enterprise transition. Mm -hmm. And I recently wrote an article about it because I feel passionately that people don't really understand the table stakes. Um, have, have you seen uh, companies either do it really well or, or perhaps not so well? And in, in either case, were the prerequisites or things that you're aware of um, that, that were critical to making sure they were successful in enterprise? Yeah, I think making that transition is really hard. Not a lot of companies do it very successfully. Um, and I think that one of the things that's really difficult there is getting your pricing model correct because when you're building out new market segments, it's really easy for, if you're going downstream, for that to cannibalize the other product. Um, so testing that thoroughly and then and getting that right can be really important um, because otherwise you can become to spread too thin. Uh, the sales cycle is obviously very different for SMB and enterprise, uh, and you really need teams focused individually on, on each. Um, so that's one of the challenges that we see all the time. Yeah. And something I keep seeing is people not understanding product readiness for enterprise. So for example, you know, uh, when you get up market, they'll be saying, well, do you have SOC 2 compliance? Do you have these other security certifications? And people think, ah, oh, we can sell around that. No, you can't. And then, and then just, you know, architecturally knowing that if you've got teams of people using your, your, your technology, you now need to be able to separate groups of users by roles and profiles and permissions. And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Absolutely. If you don't have an experienced product manager who's done this before that it just you know it, it bites people on the backside i think um, definitely yeah no it's, it's it's a challenge so you see a lot of startups you know and and certainly in our community one of the things that keeps coming up is where's that what is the pattern recognition around startups that are going to be good to join right so mm -hmm. you know that the turnover in sales is relatively high in general and i'd be very interested to hear if you know knowing what you know are there some key what are the few key questions any manager might want to ask of an executive team or a board before they join a company to make sure that it's they're set up for success. Yeah, definitely. That's tricky. And it, I think it varies a lot by stage that you're entering at because there's a lot more ambiguity and it's a more abstract question in seed or early stage businesses because there's just less data uh, inherently in, in history to base a decision off of. So if I were joining an early stage startup, those questions would be a little different and they'd be more focused. Well, I mean, first, they'd be focused on the product. Uh, if you're joining an early stage business, you're likely going to be tasked with wearing a few different hats. So you need to be very passionate about exactly what you're building and selling uh, in order to inspire your team to, to do the same. Um, but beyond that, I'm, I'd really drive into the founding team and their experience because that's one of the key indicators of of early success uh, 
for the business and how well positioned they are uh, to to lead and grow and scale a company. Um, and then I'd drive into the vision and where exactly it's going to go. You want a big, broad vision, but you really, to my earlier point, need that to be narrowly focused uh, on exactly where they're going and what the competitive positioning and differentiation is today. If you're joining at a little later stage, then you can be more intentional about some of your questions. So like I would really drive into the unit economics at that stage and ask some of the questions that you'd expect maybe a VC to ask. And they're asking it for a reason because those are indicators of uh, a future success. So I would go into the unit economics and the, and the competitive landscape and the positioning should be a little bit clearer at that point. Um, and Sorry. It's all right. I'll cut, cut all the space out. Don't you worry about cool. it. Cool. Um, yeah, I figured. I figured. Um, I forgot what I was going to say next. So, yeah, I would, at a later stage, I would also focus a lot more on exactly what the inflection point is. So, some, what are some of the more recent market signals and partnerships or fundraising? Uh, and where are you going to come in as a manager at that point to really drive the next stage of growth in the business? Um, so how exactly has the team involved and, and what's the organization, organizational structure and that foundation to grow? Yeah, it's interesting. I, you talk about VCs and I often say to people, remember this, if you're an executive or a senior manager at a company, uh, you're essentially a VC with a portfolio of one. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, you know, definitely. You really want to be doing your DD um, and, and figuring out what's going on there. And I think, um, you know, connecting back perhaps to the Endeavor um, uh, execution model, I think that the companies that Endeavor supports um, or the way you support them is by connecting them to expertise um, mm -hmm. more than anything else, right? And so if I'm looking at joining an early stage company, that's going to be one of the questions I would have is in the absence of an Endeavor support, um, you know, how are you going to get input, coaching, mentoring, and guidance as we go from, let's call it 10 million to 30 million, Like, right? Who in the team has mm -hmm. done that? And if they haven't, what support nets are there or infrastructure to look after them? Absolutely. That's, that's when you really want to look at previous experience and exits and, and where that executive team has been um, prior to that particular business, what partners they have on their cap table that have a broader network and, and experience in that space because the knowledge that you need changes by different stages of growth and the team that got you there isn't necessarily going to be what's going to take you to the next level you need a well-rounded, some well-rounded expertise in that. Agreed. And in thinking about those execs, if you look at your the most successful companies within the Endeavor uh, community, uh, is there anything that sets apart those very successful executives that you've observed? Is there, are there any common threads at all? I think the more exposure I've had to entrepreneurs all around the world, I've come to appreciate that there isn't one particular personality or backgrounds uh, that makes a successful entrepreneur. So there's traits that everybody knows a, a great founder needs to have. And like they need to have an insane risk appetite that is beyond what most people uh, possess and a, a comfort and ambiguity in general. Um, but you can fill in some of those gaps in knowledge and you don't have to be good at every element of the business. I think what I see and, and I'm most impressed by in our best founders is they have an uncanny ability to attract and retain people that are better at their specific function than that founder can be. One of my 
companies I remember mentioning that why they felt so lucky to run their business was that they were surrounded by people that they would be proud to work for. And I think that that was a really beautiful sentiment uh, that encapsulates what a great entrepreneur is. It's somebody that uh, can inspire people around them and, and attract them in. Uh, beyond that, I think that our really successful founders have a commitment to, to their beliefs, um, but have a flexible mindset and know that the business is going to change over time and are comfortable doing that uh, as the business evolves and the markets change. Got it. Let's, <clears throat> let's stick with that theme for a second. So in thinking about these successful portfolio companies, um, is it like the entrepreneur in that there's nothing particularly common or have you observed there are things that make them uh, stand out and connect the culture, the go-to-market, the operating motion, or anything that seems to be universally working that you could share with the folks? Yeah, so I touched on like a laser focus on mm -hmm. target, whether that's geography or uh, client type or vertical, uh, which I think is really important to be narrowly focused and then go broad once you've tackled that. Uh, beyond that, I think we see some really interesting cases because of the varied markets that Endeavor operates in of entrepreneurs and teams that have taken a successful idea in one market and localized it to another. Um, I think one, just one example that I would bring up of that is uh, one of our portfolio companies is called Uniphonic. It's a Saudi um, communication platform as a service, which has been dubbed the Twilio of the Middle East and, and been very successful there. Um, but what they've done is taken that very successful model that Twilio has built and then localized it with to the local infrastructure, infrastructure to, uh, to the local audience. And I think that's a, a common trait that you see as you get exposure to companies across many different markets. Yeah, we saw a lot of that in Europe with the um, rocket internet companies that were taking US models and then deploying them into Eastern Europe and Central Absolutely. Europe. Absolutely. I think it's what you see a lot in uh, the most successful Chinese companies as well, which is a market that everybody's been really excited and curious about lately. Yeah, got it. Very good. Um, thinking about the ones that are struggling now, perhaps, what are the areas where people seem to need the most advisory or supporting assistance, you know, be it around funding or sales pipeline or maybe regulatory? What, what are you finding? Where, where's Endeavor sort of really getting more involved? If there are any sort mm -hmm. of themes? One of the big themes, and it's interesting because we have a close partnership with, uh, with Bain and company, and they just did a recent study of a lot of our portfolio companies and identified that more than fundraising and expansion, one of the most common challenges is, is talent. Um, and that's something that we've tried to build out a lot of different service lines to help with. Um, because, I mean, even in San Francisco, or in Silicon Valley or New York or London in these more mature markets, uh, the competition for talent, especially technical talent is, is really high in experienced product managers and things like that. But when you're looking at markets around the world, uh, there, there can be a larger absence of that talent. So that's something that we've had to get creative in, in how to address. Um, but I think that every entrepreneur as they grow needs help on their fundraising journey. It's really interesting to see very successful companies that uh, have trouble in their storytelling for a VC audience and exactly how to do that. So we do a lot of coaching on that front. Um, 
And then I think what might be unique to some Endeavor companies is as they come in, uh, we help them find the right partner for their next stage of growth. And then we come in with things like messy cap tables because of their markets. They've, they come from an ecosystem where they've had to be cap, very capital efficient and positive from the start, um, or capital has been very expensive. So how to exactly navigate that as they're raising subsequent rounds has been a, a challenge that we see quite a bit. Got it. Makes sense. And again, perhaps a, a thread that attaches to that is what message might you have for folks that are working outside of the major tech hubs who maybe, you know, thinking about getting connected to talent and, and relationships that they, they can't go to two to three meetups a week like you would in San Francisco and New York yeah. um, and, and whatnot. So do you have any, any advice or thoughts for them if they're operating in some of these regional locations or far flung places where they just don't have access? Yeah, we can definitely appreciate that challenge at Endeavor because that's exactly why we exist. Uh, it's that in a lot of markets around the world, within the U.S. Uh, and and emerging markets, wherever that may be, depending on where you're located, those been there, done that, experienced mentors can be very difficult to come by. Um, so we exist to try and bridge that gap across borders and connect. Uh, experience people with founders and executives that need that mentorship. Um, so my message to those people would be to really plug in to your local ecosystem, uh, become a mentor to the younger generation of, of executives, uh, of founders. And it's really powerful what that can be and the lessons that you can learn back. Uh, and fortunately those Markets around the world are, are, are the future. Um, we recently had Patrick Collison, the founder of Stripe, speak at one of our Endeavor events. And he was talking about how Stripe is making a, a concerted effort to enable remote teams because a lot of their engineering talent that they would like to retain don't necessarily want to be within Silicon Valley. And the company doesn't necessarily want to compete for that talent within Silicon Valley where it's a lot more expensive. So that... You, that uh, that's changing in general. And there's a lot more digital meetup groups and digital organizations that you can join. Um, but if that doesn't exist in your location, the, then start it, plug in with, uh, with some of those Google meetups and launch chapters where you, have, where you exist and start building that ecosystem. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we've noticed the, the thirst and hunger for that sort of relationship and networking within our community, in fact. So uh, we did a pilot last year, but this year we're launching um, accountability and development groups. So cohorts mm -hmm. of eight people meet via Zoom once a month um, for 90 minutes to sort of, uh, you know, share successes, challenges, and, and, and sort of peer and group uh, problem solve, specifically mm -hmm. because you know, some folks are out there by themselves, you know, the lone voice in the wilderness. And it's really nice to know, A, you're not going through, you know, this uniquely, everybody's facing more challenges. And secondly, there are folks out there that can help, right? So I think your advice is very good, uh, creating groups, Google groups, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, Endeavor's founded on the idea that one person can really catalyze an ecosystem and that can happen at a more micro level in an economy as well. So uh, if that doesn't exist where you are, finding those groups or founding those groups can create a huge ripple effect within within the local market. Great. Well, this is a great start, Jamie. Uh, thank you very much. I know some folks are going to want to know more about Endeavor. So if they wanted to do that, where, where would they go? How do they find out more about Endeavor and the mission and what goes on? Absolutely. You can visit our website at 
www.endeavor.org um, to learn more about the organization, as well as browse our many impressive uh, Endeavor companies. Endeavor has more than 2,000 companies selected uh, from 37 markets around the world and growing each year uh, and some really exciting work being done by, by those people and our teams on the ground. Fantastic. I hope you've enjoyed your time. I certainly have and appreciate you sharing your wisdom with the team here. Thank you, Matt. Great to be here. Thanks.